Welcome to the Bigfoot Society Podcast. Join me, your host, Jeremiah Byron, as I uncover the stories behind the people who make the wonderfully weird and the unexplained their life's work. We love chatting about cryptids and creatures that defy logic, but that won't stop us from having people show up that you might not expect. Check out our website, www.bigfootsocietypodcast.com. It's our base for all things social media, blogs, episodes, and everything else Bigfoot Society. Follow Bigfoot Society on Instagram to keep up to date with the community daily. If you'd like to support us and help us keep the lights on for the cost of less than a cup of coffee per month, then head on over to patreon.com forward slash Bigfoot Society, where for $5 a month, you'll get early access to the podcast before anyone else and exclusive access to our weekly Patreon-only Bigfoot Society After Dark podcast. It's where the week's guest stays on after everyone else leaves and shares their favorite creepier or cryptid story with me and you, the listener, as we're sitting around the campfire at our creepy cryptid summer camp. So head on over to patreon.com forward slash Bigfoot Society to also see all the shout out, Zoom hangout, merch discounts, and more that you'll have access to as an official Bigfoot Society card carrying member for only $5 a month. A little bit of This American Life and a little bit of In Search Of is what you're about to experience. So sit back, put your headphones on, put your phone in your pocket, and relax with your favorite beverage as I uncover the stories behind your favorite entertainers, researchers, and people you've never heard of in this episode of the Bigfoot Society Podcast. This week's episode of the Bigfoot Society Podcast, we have author John L. French and Danielle Ackley McPhail from Sistema Paradoxa, or more specifically, eSpec Books. Uh, John is the author of the book When the Moon Shines, a new uh, cryptid fiction book about the Snallygaster. Now, I will say ahead of time, there is uh, there are some spoilers about this book, so you'll want to make sure you can go read it on Kindle or... Uh, if you've gotten January's Cryptid Crate, it was in there as well. Uh, if that's all right, go ahead and listen and enjoy. All right, thanks for coming back to the Bigfoot Society podcast. I have the privilege of having a duo with me uh, today, and we are interviewing the author, uh, John L. French of the first book in the, and I want to make sure that I'm doing, yes, for the video, make sure you're watching this on YouTube. You can see, I've got mine here too. I'll show this too. This cool Snally Gastro. I bet John has one too. We're all going to, we're, we're going to show I can one up this. <laughs> oh, you have the original dry. Oh, I do. Course. All right. So um, want to make sure I'm saying it right. Is Sistema Paradoxa. Uh, yes. That's the one thing. I, okay. Perfect. Perfect. Uh, so Sistema Paradox of Volume 1, When the Moon Shines, as accounted by John L. French. And it took me halfway through the book to, to get the pun in the title. I was like, oh, yeah, moonshine. <laughs> like, good, good show there. So we've got author John L. French, and uh, we've got Danielle Ackley McPhail, who, um, well, I'm just going to read the bios first, and we'll get into it, and I'll let you explain a little bit more. So let's uh, start. Uh, this is off of the uh, website for eSpec Books. Uh, award-winning author and editor Danielle Ackley-McPhail has worked both sides of the publishing industry, 
for longer than she cares to admit. In 2014, she joined forces with husband Mike McPhail and friend Greg Shower to form her own publishing house, Eastbeck Books, LLC. In addition to her many different books she's written, she crafts and sells original custom horns under the moniker <laughs> The Horny Lady Cost Custom Custom Horns and homemade flavor-infused candy ginger under the brand of Ginger Kick at literary conventions on commission and wholesale. Danielle lives in New Jersey with husband and fellow writer Mike McPhail and three extremely spoiled cats. That's an awesome bio. <laughs> Going on, we've got Mr. John L. French is a retired crime scene supervisor with 40 years experience. He has seen more than a share of murder shootings and serious assaults. As a break from the realities of his job, he started writing science fiction, pulp, horror, fantasy, and of course, crime fiction. So let's start with this. Is there anything that we need to uh, fill in the blanks that you would like the audience to know that we didn't cover in those bios? We have actually just celebrated um, our fifth year as a publishing company. Oh, wow. And we're, we're ramping things up and really getting to some really amazing projects. That is awesome. And I think, I think my bio covers everything. Awesome. Very cool. Very cool. So the, the real, the, the reason of course, that you're on this podcast is I will say right off the bat, um, yeah, I'm a big fan of Cryptid Crate. I am uh, was called an affiliate with them. So, uh, and I, you'll actually hear more about that at the end of the episode because I have like Ooh. a little blurb I say every episode about Cryptid Crate. Mm -hmm. But uh, these guys have partnered with Cryptid Crate. And if you get Cryptid Crate, uh, you actually got the first book in the last month's, uh, which is January, uh, Crate. Uh, you got When the Moon Shines, which I've read it. It's an awesome book. But I want to read the description about uh, what Systema Paradox is, and then we'll kind of flesh that out a bit. So <clears throat> there are creatures lurking in our world, obscure creatures long relegated to myth and legend. They've been sighted by lucky or unlucky few. Some have even been photographed, but their existence remains unproven and unrecognized by the scientific community. These creatures, long thought gone, have somehow survived. Creatures from our nightmares haunting the dark places. They swim in our lakes and bays. They soar the night skies. They hunt in the woods. Some are from our past and some from other worlds. And others that have always been with us, watching us, fearing us, hunting us. These are the cryptids and Systema Paradoxa tells their tales. That's really cool. But tell me, uh, what what is this? Is this a, uh, a series of books? Uh, explain to me a little bit more about what Systema Paradox is in your own words. So when, what I've just read. <laughs> when we were originally approached by Cryptid Crate, just to see if we had any cryptid content, mm. we had not explored that area of speculative fiction yet. The people that we knew that were into it and, and had a history of writing cryptid fiction unfortunately have left us um uh cj henderson is one of the big reasons that we actually are a publishing company and he's where we had our introduction to the genre and so originally we said we don't but we could <laughs> and the original plan was to have an anthology of three novellas one by myself one by john 
and one by a friend of ours named James Chambers, who is okay. a Bram Stoker award-winning author. Oh, wow. So we had a good idea there. And when they explained why they needed the, the fiction, because they didn't present themselves as Cryptid Crate, it was an individual that contacted okay. us to say if they had, if we had the content. Cool. And so it's like, well, if that's what you need, how can we transition this into something bigger that's going exactly. to give you ongoing content that you need? So I, I tend to take a concept and do a little research and just run with it. So as I was researching the cryptids and came up and discovered the origin of cryptozoology, the mm -hmm. Sistema Natural and Animal Paradoxa. And unfortunately, that was already taken as a, a book name. So I was like, well, I'm not going to go there. But I played with it a little bit and came up with Sistema Paradoxa. And because, well, as a nod to um, the original content that it was coming from, I wanted to assume an encyclopedic feel. Oh, okay. So I researched yeah. old encyclopedias, looked at samples of pages. And when I came up with the design for the book, I tried to mimic that, including uh, the cover design, which it's not so easy to tell online, you know, via video, <laughs> but we, we did a pseudo embossed leather cover. You can definitely tell when you have the book in hand, like, it, yeah, it looks yeah, cool. yeah, it looks cool. And, and so we wanted to capture that feel of the original accounts and, and all of that and, and give that scholarly approach to it. So yeah. all the authors are doing their own takes and they're in all different time periods and different regions oh, and cryptids, but so the cool. series will have that ongoing style. And in the back of each one of them, there is an encyclopedia entry regarding the particular cryptids that are in that book. Awesome. So in keeping with that, the artwork is produced in black and white in the book. Mm-hmm. Yep. But the artist, this is uh, by Jason Whitley, and he it's one of his particular strengths is that creepy monster type vibe. And it was perfect for an encyclopedia. Yeah. So so he is actually illustrating all of the books in the series. Oh, and cool. That is awesome. So you'll have that yeah. like continuity. That is so cool. I love that. So all the covers are going to have the line art on the front and the actual awesome. black and white image in the back. And our goal eventually is um, James Chambers and Jason Whitley will put together a field journal that will feature the color artwork. Oh, cool. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Okay. That's a good idea. Yeah. Good idea. So uh, it's, it's, there's a lot of ideas that have come out of that one simple mm -hmm. question. <laughs> So I've got a, a question for both of you. Okay. And this is just kind of like, this would be a good intro. So good intro question. Uh, what is your personal favorite cryptid? And I'll have John go first. If you're cool. well, um, obviously uh, right now uh, it's the Snallygaster, right? <laughs> which is the one of the cryptids in when the moon shines. And of course the second one is the Dwayo. Mm -hmm. which is the the other cryptid 
And one of the reasons I chose them is that they are local cryptids. I live in Baltimore, Maryland, and Frederick yeah. County, Frederick, Frederick County, Maryland is about an hour away. And that is where the, where the Snallygaster and the Dwayo have been reported, you know, have been sighted. The Snallygaster goes all the way back to um, before Prohibition era and was part of the legend involves a prohibition, which is why I said it at that time. So those are my, right now, those are my favorite cryptids. If I ever do another <laughs> book for Sistema Paradoxa, I may have another one. <laughs> so I'm a Jersey girl. So it has to so, be the Jersey devil, but right, really yeah. <laughs> I love them all. I, I love the lore and legend and the, the what if, and I love ever, ever since I was young in English class and all of that, when, when they started introducing myths and legends, yeah. I love to take the core of the story and figure out what real life event might actually lead to that story that's cool you know like yeah. centaurs yeah. if if you've never seen a mounted man before you would assume that a rider on a horse is a part of the horse and so you have right. centaurs things like that and so my mind always played with it and so i love the the different aspects of cryptozoology and the what if and and finding the root of that and the origin so that is so cool. i love them all <laughs> yeah i mean they give me room uh, to play it, it does yeah but i mean yeah growing up in jersey definitely the jersey devil like that had to have been a part of your life like you probably heard about that all <laughs> as a little kid like i'm guessing it's in everywhere yeah like cool, yep uh field trips to stories. the to the cranberry bogs and all that in oh, basto cool. village wheaton village oh man that is cool. John, I am curious. Um, what did you use any uh, resources to research the uh, cryptids that you were writing about in this book? Actually, um, when Danielle first told me about the project, which was at the time an anthology, I, I didn't want to do, you know, no offense to the society, but I didn't want to do Bigfoot or, right, you know, right. Jersey Devil or <laughs> a cryptid anybody has heard about. Um, there is a local writer, Matt Lake, who wrote. Oh, yeah, totally. Weird Maryland. Yep. And um, so I turned to weird for my first resource was Weird Maryland. To see, well, I know Maryland's weird, but um, what cryptids were had been sighted or believed to have been sighted in Maryland? And mm -hmm. the first one, actually, the first one I read about was the hyote, a cross between a hyena, hyena and a coyote. Oh, cool. Um, there was the goat man. Mm, yeah. um, there was the bunny man, but that's just some guy in a suit. Um, <laughs> we know him. <laughs> <laughs> and um, then I read about the Snallygaster, which was, you know, fascinating. And so I started looking up. Oh, and he also had a, uh, a column on the Dwayo, hmm. which he started with Dwayo. Dwayo. 
Of course. Yes, because you have to. And um, so I started looking up both of them to see which, you know, can I get any ideas out of these? And um, I liked the Snallygaster because of the the, 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 um, connection with uh, uh, Moonshine and the Prohibition era. I was a big, growing up, I was a big fan of Elliot Ness and the Untouchables, still am. Awesome. Um, and I've written, I've written pulp, I've written crime stories. Um, and then I started reading about the Dwayo and there was an entry. I mean, this is all on online and there was, uh, I forget which article, but it mentioned that the Dwayo was the mortal enemy of the Snally guest. Mm. So now I have some kind of conflict. I can oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and once you bring in, um, you know, a couple of uh, competing gangs trying to wrap up the, the roadhouse business outside of a mythical city of mine called Harbor City. Then, okay. you know, that was the I just question I was going to ask. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yep. Then I just had to, um, you know, just listen to this, listen to the characters and what, you know, and then actually come up with the um, some of the aspects of the Dwayo. I mean, of the um, Snallygaster, because there are so many different variations mm. and i took all these variations as being true and had to come up with a way of reconciling what they were like so um there are some snallygasters that have tentacles there are some snallygasters that don't have tentacles um so rather than being two different species i decided this was um these were gender-based characteristics yeah, and which is a you, really cool idea. Which you saw, and you saw what I did with them. I there was a couple <laughs> scenes I didn't think Danielle would let me let me do, and you know which ones I'm talking about. Um, <laughs> you know, because when you're yeah, dealing I was with, like, I knew that was gonna, I I knew it's gonna. So, it's a good book. Um, thank you. What would you? What would I'm just curious. What would you rate the book? Like, if you were, to, yeah, is it like a PG or like? I, I'm not sure. Like, I would give it a hard PG. Okay. All right. Since yeah, I, I didn't I really go into too much detail and I've seen worse on television. Exactly. It's kind of like, and fade to black, which is right. Yeah, well, but it, it's, um, it's well done. So um, I think I can tell you the first um, romantic scene I have ever written. It was in a book called <laughs> the devil of Harvard city, <laughs> which is where, you know, that comes from. And it was in a place known only to them. Two lovers met. Afterwards, and that's it. Yeah, afterwards. So you know, none of your business what happened between you know after they met. You know, so um, you know, so you know, and same thing with uh the Dwayo. I wanted to incorporate. You know, they seem to be canine based, so I wanted to incorporate the um, the 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 idea of the pack. So. It's, it's interesting in your research. So the one question I had is, and I haven't gotten really crazy into either of these cryptids. So that's another part where I found this book very fascinating. Cause I was like, this is really cool. Cause it's not just like, I, I read a lot of Bigfoot stuff, but this is totally different. Um, so the, the fact where there's a lot of like um, uh, telepathic, um, mind speak things like that is um is that something you added in yourself or is that actually part of the the cryptid legend um 
the Dwayo were said to be able to um, influence the minds of their prey, mm. to freeze them and to make them afraid. So that was my that was the whole idea behind the um, the, men, the you know the mental you know the mental communication. Mm. And so it just you know I I took you know since the Dwayo could do it I just decided that that would be a good idea, good way for the the snallygasters to communicate as well nice yeah. i think oh, the way cool. that you did that because the character that they communicate with there's already a connection between his family and the snallygasters which is why you totally. can recognize them so there's already been a, a genetic exchange yes so so it's not beyond reason because you know they would have to have a way to communicate with themselves and with that genetic mingling, that would carry over to him. Exactly. In my exactly. thinking. <laughs> and um, the one I, the the, first, the, the the creepiest character to me in the book um, was the kid. Oh, the kid was like, oh my goodness. Like, cause you can, you can tell you're like, oh no, he's going to turn really not. And it's like, yeah, he goes. He turns a corner. Yeah, and he's yeah. he's actually me. He scares me more than the Dwayne. Totally, totally. Yeah, I agree with. There's nothing like a an unhinged, yeah, human with nothing to lose and no too, too many gangster him. movies. So yeah, one of the totally. things that we did with the series that you may not have noticed is that old encyclopedias often started off with a quote at the top. Mm -hmm. So the one for this book is have pity on them all for it is we who are the real monsters. Um, yeah. And part of that was, was tying into that character and, and the mob and all of that. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, totally. Oh man. So it's a thing where like I read um, the, the, um, the PDF version of it, but um, I think I'm going to go back and read it again in actual there's something about reading something oh yes in your hands as a book and i think i'm gonna do that because i think i'll, I'll uh i'll get a lot more i'll, I'll probably stuff i might have missed and also <laughs> uh our furnace was dead at the time so i was like semi distracted as well but um <laughs> I, I wanted to add something real quick um because john said that he picked these because they were were not the well-known ones yes that's yes. actually one of the requirements of the series awesome. to meet cryptid crates needs we we are touching on one or two of the big ones okay but but those are select authors that have been given a pass to do this all of the authors have been instructed that they have to find an obscure cryptid too that is cool to tell their tale i like that um remind me um how long is the uh the series um planned for again there is no end cap to it nice okay um right now we have probably 12 manuscripts already either oh, planned or in-house and there's probably another 10 authors beyond that that have expressed interest including ironically matt lake 
So we'll see where nice. it goes. You know, Absolutely. we we don't have any reason to end it. I don't think we're going to run out of cryptids anytime soon. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot out there. And it's like just when you think you've gone to the end, then you start looking into other countries and your mind is just like blown yeah. because it's like, holy mackerel. Have you ever look in, looked into uh, cryptids from the Norwegian countries? That stuff well, is wild. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I try to do that a little bit in when the moon shines because one of the one of the mob bosses is you know is from another country and he, he so he's familiar with cryptids and he actually refers to one from one or two from his country i picked that up and i thought that was that was really cool i was like hmm is this uh is there stuff in here that might be referring to future books or like there's a <laughs> lot of really good detail i mean it'd be interesting to see um these books I know they were first released through Cryptid Crate, right? Mm -hmm. Well, Are what it is, um, if the book is slated for one of the exclusive crates mm -hmm. where all of the content is going to be based on the book okay. or the or the creature in the book, yeah, those will first appear in Cryptid Crate and won't release commercially until after that. Um, ah, okay. But we we have a tentative agreement that there will be four quarterly books that are exclusives nice. and then two that are non-exclusives. Okay. So the non-exclusives we can release at any time okay. as long as they fall within the, you know, the series order. Um, right. <laughs> and, and that's our only real restriction. Um, and this is, that's also how we will, you know, cause some people are always still going to want those, well-loved well-known cryptids oh so, yeah you, you gotta get you know <laughs> bigfoot and mothman in there somehow i mean the people eventually be like come on guys those are already slated all right cool, cool. and <laughs> the same with the jersey devil nice and those are the only big ones that we have so far sure but um but we will be able to explore those because they'll be non-exclusive ones and okay. Cryptocrate isn't obligated to carry any particular book. So there's always potential that some books may not appear in the crate at all. Gotcha. But they'll always be available. That's cool. And they're <laughs> on, um, I think I saw like they're in a uh, Kindle form as, as well, right? Yeah. Like, yes. yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. That's cool. Uh, John, I, I don't, I got a question for you. So I don't know if you were trying to, Maybe it just came out, but it's like the whole time I'm reading the book, I couldn't get the uh, the movie Road. Is it Road to Perdition out of my mind? Ah, uh, yes. I was like, uh, oh, man, like I got to go see that. Not well, just like I'm that a whole, like gangster thing. It was crazy. It wasn't deliberate. Um, I've done. A, um, I did. I have read Road to Perdition. I read it when it came out in the, the DC graphic novel. Mm. And um, I've read. All of um, Max Allen Collins' um, Nate Heller series and a couple of his other books. Uh, big Max Allen Collins fans. One of my favorite mo convention moments is basically talking to Max Allen Collins for about an hour oh, wow. at the BoucherCon. Wow. So yeah, there's probably that. But I'm like I said, I I grew up watching um, The Untouchables. I love reading about that kind of true crime. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I've written, um, I've written pulp fiction. Um, one of my first books was the devil of Harbor city, um, emulating, uh, at least, uh, Carol John Daly about, it's a story about a, a collection of stories about a, uh, corrupt city, um, where the, uh, only not re- the, basically the non-corrupt organization is the police department. And that's only because the state controls the police department rather than the city. Yeah. And there's one brave, there's one cop who's told do whatever you have to clean up the city. Oh, snap. You know, and um, <laughs> it become, and nice. his name is Frank Evelyn and circumstances have him nicknamed the devil. Oh, wow. Okay. You that's know, cool. So, uh, and so that's, that's Harbor City, which was, by the way, named because before when um, Baltimore had this boulevard on the west side, and before it was called, it was named Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. Mm. It was briefly Harbor City Boulevard. Oh. So okay. that's the name. I said, Harbor City, I like that name. And I, I, I used it. City wasn't using it anymore. So, <laughs> um, you know, so that's where the Harbor City comes from. And I've set, um, I've set several stories. I mean, I've set the Frank Devlin's tales in there. I've set other stories in both the, in the future of Harbor City. Um, Danielle ever, uh, if Danielle ever does the, um, sidekicks and henchmen story she'll get one she'll get one set there <laughs> I have um, to think about it <laughs> and um so um that that's where it comes from um as as you mentioned i'm a re- retired crime scene invest uh, crime scene investigator and supervisor so my first fiction was crime fiction mm, and okay. i gradually got sucked into the world into fantasy <laughs> work writing about badass fairies and um nice. blame her I'm responsible and, for that one too. Yeah, oh, and um, <laughs> zombie zombies and uh, the world of Lovecraft and all that. Um, oh boy! Danielle mentioned uh, C.J. Henderson. Um, he and I were friends before I became a writer, and when I did become a writer, he taught me a couple of lessons. One of which was, if somebody says, "Can you write about X?" Mm-hmm. the answer is yes. Then you figure out how to do it. Right. Yeah. No, I, I totally get it. Yeah. Like, um, I think that's a good thing for life in general. Like if yeah. you're trying to go, so, like figure it out. Totally. Yeah. That's good advice. So when Danielle said, can you write about cryptids? Yeah, I can do that. <laughs> or actually, um, you mentioned her husband, Mike. Mm-hmm. Um, he edited um, a series of, mil- still does a mi- series of military science fiction. Oh, wow. um, defending the future she would have killed nice. me if I forgot and um, <laughs> he came up to me and says John can you write a crime story for defending the future the anthologies and I said sure and then the part of my brain that doesn't really you know pay attention or actually it was my mouth ignoring my brain immediately said I'll write you a locked airlock story Mm. you know and um that's when my brain said and as soon as mike said good idea the rest of my brain said what the hell did you just do 
<laughs> but I, I, I wrote it. it I wrote great. it. I got it out. Nice. Yep. That's awesome. Nice work. And I, I based have, it on a Sherlock Holmes story. Which is way cool. Oh, man, that's even cooler. Well, <laughs> actually, a comment by Watson about James Fillimore, who walked into his house to get an umbrella and was never seen again. Nice. Nice. Um, oh, man, in, in reference to that, the ship is the uh, uh, Earth Federation ship, Fillimore. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> we have a question from uh, Jacob from the Patreon. Um, do you, and if this is a thing where it's, you can say no comment if you want to, if it gives stuff away, but, um, <laughs> okay. So will we get any cryptid crossovers in future books like Godzilla vs Kong, but with cryptids? Um, some of, some of the books involve more than one cryptid and some of them are this versus that. Nice. In fact, the Bigfoot story, the first time it appears, the author has two planned. And the first one is going to be Montauk Monster versus Bigfoot. And then the second one will be the rematch. Oh, my goodness. That's that's legit. (laughs) And another friend of ours is uh, basically considering a cryptid fight club. Cryptid fight club. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I don't know what they're going to do with it. Yes, but that's they're Danielle, all trusted, so. Danielle, we don't. One of the rules of the Cryptic Fight Club is we don't talk we about don't talk the Cryptic Fight Club. <laughs> that's awesome. But it doesn't exist. Thanks for the exclusives about the future. That's pretty cool. Um, well, I think it works. I mean, having one cryptid is fun. Yeah. But then you have to, you know, there has to be conflict. And if you only have one conflict um, right. and you don't have Teddy Roosevelt hunting a Snallygaster, which would be a cool story. That um, cool. You, you need, you need something for the cryptid to go up against, because we all know that man is the man is the, is the worst predator. And he tends to, and yep. he tends to uh, destroy what he doesn't understand or what he fears. Mm. which is a point I think I made in the book. It's, it's yeah, no, you did. It's, it's such a scary thing. To so if you give, yeah. if so, if you have another cryptid, um, particularly like if they're both, if they're both, if both fighting over the same territory, it just ups the conflict. Mm-hmm. Nothing exists in a vacuum. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And the thing that is crazy about this as book is it's like, and I'm going to put a thing before this part. It's going to be like, hey, there's going to be potential spoilers. Read the book if you don't want. You know, read the book anyways, but like, you know, read the book if you don't want potential spoilers. So it's like, because the book starts where it's like, okay, Snallygaster versus Dueo, like territory battle. But then there's an even bigger territory battle where you have the rival gangs. And I thought that was a really cool, like how you kind of work that together. And it was all happening at the same time. Like that was really cool. I like Thank that. you. Yeah. Um, did you? Uh, I know sometimes when I'm like doing creative things, like I'll listen to music to kind of get me into a certain mood. Do you listen to uh, certain? You have like certain types of music when you're writing, or I I can't listen to anything. It's uh, really okay. just just the voices in my head. <laughs> I used to listen to instrumentals. Oh yeah. Okay. 
Nice. And I found that I've reached the point where I just need complete silence. I will actually put in earplugs. Interesting. Because my office, my husband and I share an office. Oh, and yeah. even if he's not in the office, if he's downstairs, uh, there's still sounds filtering up. And I never know which one needs my attention. <laughs> so yeah. this way, if I have earplugs in, if he needs my attention, he has to come get me. <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah, I don't, I don't need absolute silence. But like I said, I can't. If I'm concentrating on the story, whatever story I'm writing, I have to. You know, I, my full attention has to be on on the story. Otherwise, you know, I I I I never listen to music, but I'm afraid that if I start listening to music, I may start writing in time to the music. And, <laughs> oh, and, so make it good yeah, music totally. and and, act, yeah. and accidentally write an opera. I mean, you know. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, the question for both of you, since you are both writers. Um, Holy, holy mackerel. The train <laughs> just left the station and nothing's in it. Um, oh, no. Uh, when, so when you're a writer, right, and you have these stories that have a lot of characters in it, how do you guys keep this all straight? Do you have certain things you do to be like, okay, Billy over here, is this, this, and this? Or do you keep it all in your head? What do you feel works best for you to keep your, um, your stuff when, straight? When my attention was less divided... I could keep it in my head, but uh, like right now I'm working on a military science fiction novel nice. and on top of that, it's a novel that I haven't looked at in eight years because oh, wow. <laughs> life got in the way. Uh, so I had to actually create an Excel spreadsheet so mm -hmm. that I could see who everybody was, what their affiliations were. And, you know, any little details that I needed to keep straight. And it's complicated because I don't use an outline and I don't plot things out ahead of time. So I have a basic idea where I'm going, but I totally pants it. And <laughs> I don't even write in a linear fashion. <laughs> really? <laughs> wow. That is interesting. Um, it works for me. Yeah, but it, it doesn't but I, work quick. <laughs> yeah. I, if I, if it's, first of all, I don't really write novels as such. Um, um, I've written a couple um, recently, but mostly I'm a short story writer. Okay. And I tend to write connected short stories, which when mm -hmm. put together appear to be a novel. Nice. Danielle actually was the, uh, did typesetting for um, the second second edition of Devil of Harbor City, which was a series of connected stories, and she turned it into a novel. Um, but um, when I'm dealing with some, when I'm dealing with a lot, either an extended work like um, When the Moon Shines, I'll have a rough outline. And sometimes if I've got a lot of characters, I'll have to write down who these characters are and what they do. Right, um, right, but right, it's right. sort it's not a, it's not a spreadsheet. It's sort of like mm -hmm. things written on scrap paper. Right. So that, um, you know, I can just refer to that. And, but my, my outlines tend to be rough and just like 
some general said no battle survives the, um, you know, no battle survives the, the strategy. Uh, no outline survives the, <laughs> survives the book. That's a good quote. I've never heard that. That's awesome. I like that. That's good. Do you, uh, not to put you both on the spot, but do you uh, each have a favorite part of uh, the book? Of John's book? Yes. Yeah. I, I really liked the way that he developed the Snallygasters mm-hmm. and, and their particular voice. So all the scenes with the Snallygasters. Yeah. Well, they just stand out to me. My, my favorite part is um, actually was the first part that was that I wrote. Okay. You know, the one chapter one, it starts, the night was still and bright with the light of the gibbous moon. Mm. It's where um, uh, the father and two sons are out guarding the still. And um, there are things out there in the woods. Yeah. I liked oh, the man, father. Oh, I was really sad that we didn't see more of him. Yeah, well, he, uh, he he could he could only take so much, <laughs> so he had to move to Baltimore. He was you smart. Did, he got out. <laughs> you did a thing where I, so I'm gonna I'm not saying that I dislike, but I I hate when authors do this because it's like this is gonna become a really good story when it's like the uh, the the characters because they get safe, they get away, but then something drags them back in or like something like, and you're like, oh no. <laughs> ultra conflict you know like yeah like yeah. it was really good yeah um you know i try to do things i mean because i try to do things or not do things that i don't like mm. um one thing that bothers me well i don't really read novels about serial killers i've okay. dealt dealt with a few in my in my real in my old job oh yeah but um i but the thing about it is there seems to be a cliche that once the, the lead cop gets too close, the serial killer starts targeting him or his family. Mm, I mean, okay. it was, it worked for, it worked for uh, Hannibal Lecter in a way, but um, sure. you know that, I mean, se- first of all, serial killers aren't really that aware of what's going on. And secondly, they want to stay as far away from the police as um, you kill a cop's wife, you kill, you target a cop's family and you're going to have three, four times the number of cops coming in. Not smart. Yep. If Grand Theft Auto has taught me anything, it's that you don't <laughs> go after the cop cars. Then you get in like level high alert, you know, it's the same thing, but different, but, um, <laughs> uh, so I, I like asking a, a variant of this question when I, well, yeah, sometimes. Um, so you both being writers, and I'm sure there's all sorts of people that listen to this podcast. I'm sure there might be some people that are aspiring writers or maybe newer in the craft. Do you have any advice for aspiring writers or just people that are trying to write in general? My standard advice is... Treat it like a dedicated hobby. Hmm. If you're wrong, you're pleasantly surprised. If you're right, you don't become cynical. (laughs) So much about writing is luck. 
You need the skill, you need the opportunity, but luck plays a big part of it. And so you can work really hard for a really long time and not feel like you're getting anywhere. If you give up, you're definitely not going to get anywhere. But you can't be driven by, I have to be a bestseller. I have to be with a big publisher. It's great if you can do that. And I'm not saying not to pursue it, but be content with the success that you have and be grateful for anything more that comes your way. Nice. But, but don't let it sour you to the, the passion and pleasure that you get from writing to begin with. Yes. Um, for those who are starting out um, or, you know, have started or, or first of all, write what you write, write what you don't know. For instance, with the Snallygaster, I had I didn't know about a, about Snallygaster before I started writing about it. I read everything I could about Snallygasters. You can same with Dwayo. Yeah. yeah. Um, don't you know? So don't if you're going to set something, if you're going to set a story in Ocean City, Maryland, make sure you know about Ocean right. City, Maryland. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> and um, the you know, people say, well, I can't write a book because I don't have the time. Uh, our friend C.J. Henderson wrote an entire novel on his lunch hour. Wow. Um, not one lunch hour. Well, on, not yet. Yeah, <laughs> not, well, toward the end, he probably could. He would have plotted one out. But uh, on his lunch hours, he just would, he would, you know, he would take his lunch hours and write. That's awesome. Um, if you think about it, uh, the average novel is about, let's just say, 60,000 words. Okay. If you write 500 words a day, five days a week, that's 2,500 words, which means you'll have 10,000 words at the end of a month. In six months, you'll have 60,000 words. Wow. And that's giving yourself Saturday and Sunday off. It's important to give yourself time off. Yeah. So, um, you know, you don't have to write every day, but when you do write, you know, I just wish, I wish there was a computer for just for writers that wouldn't access the internet. Well, you, need, <laughs> no, you need the internet for research. But you wouldn't be able to play solitaire. You wouldn't be able to play games. You know, you just write, which is why when somebody says write for an hour, no, no, that that's not going to work because you can spend a half an hour uh, fiddling around. I like to write by word count. Um, mm. When I realized when Danielle gave me the the news that they like the idea of smelling orders, <laughs> I yeah, whatever. Um, that Box Mountain. Like the idea of Snallygasters and Dwayo mm -hmm. so much, they wanted to be the first book. Yeah. And this was in August. And Danielle, I, you know, I couldn't turn it in in December because, you know, so I only had about, let's just say, about two months to write it. My general, uh, my general goal is usually about between, say, 700 and 1,000 words at a time. Uh, for this project, I had I pushed myself at 1,500 words a day, 
every day. <laughs> wow. And it was grueling, but I, I you know, but I did it. And, um, you know, it off in the end. Yes, it did. You know, <laughs> but, you know usually yeah. about when you hit about a thousand words, it's going to go. Okay. I can, <laughs> I can see the finish line for the day. This, this lap is, you know, th this lap is almost over. Let me just get there. Nice. No, it, it, the book turned out amazing. Uh, Thank you. Bravo to you. I can't wait to see what comes down the line uh, from you guys. I'm, I'm curious, and this is kind of a lead into next week's episode because um, for some reason it's Snally Gaster Month at the Bigfoot Society, so I'm going to have to change the name of the podcast. But uh, <laughs> did you guys know that there is actually a Snally Gaster Museum opening up in uh, Maryland? No. Oh, cool. Frederick County? Yes. Because I'm I'm interviewing the person who's opening it up for next. Tell week. them about the book. Tell them about the book. Well, I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm like saying there could be some like you know maybe work something out. Maybe you know. But, Frederick uh, County is only an hour from me. There you cool. go. It could be some magic happening there. But um, I'm excited to definitely uh, have that interview as well. But um, man, so good. So good. Let me make sure that I, I really want to make sure I get all my audience questions. I hate if I miss any. Um, oh, okay. Well, there's some kind of funny ones. So buckle <laughs> up. Uh, <clears throat> Harrison from the Tailgate podcast says, why did the cover monster skip leg day? Wait, why did it what? Why did he skip leg day? <laughs> Harrison, His legs why do you are have there? to be hating on Snallygasters? They're fine the way he, they are. He's got, he's got legs. See, see, yeah, he flies. Fine. Fine. Yeah, it, the it muscles are in the wings. All right, he's just being—he's being sassy. So. <laughs> um, uh, Outcast at last says uh, from Instagram says it's more of a, a well, it's a statement comment question. We'll we'll see. Um. Maybe Mothman was a Snallygaster. Ohio and West Virginia, full of them. Maybe. Um, Maybe uh, related. I, 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 I don't know. It's an interesting thought. Uh, I, uh, some of the uh, research actually did kind of point in that direction, that ah. that possible direction. Oh. Uh, just just as um, the, well, put this way, Bigfoot has been reported to be in Ocean City, Maryland or at least in right. the, on the Delmarva Peninsula. There was speculation that it was a misidentification and it was Dwayo. Mm, wow. Okay. Which would explain something I wrote in the book. Right. <laughs> you know, because, awesome. you know, so um, it's, it's possible that um, at least in the Northeast, there was a common ancestor or two, um, possibly um, in the, you know, possibly it's like they say birds are mm -hmm. descended from dinosaurs. There could be a dinosaur or something uh, from which some of these, a couple of dinosaurs from which the <laughs> Northeast cryptids came, all came from. Exactly. And it's like, um, you know, out here. Uh, so, Saddle up again, uh, listeners, because I'm hitting the the rec the necessary van meter visitor uh, quote for every episode. I get flack for that, but whatever, guys. Um, actually, so I'm in Iowa, and the van meter visitor is our top cryptid, and they they say 
one of the theories is maybe it was related to the Snallygaster. Like it went out and then like that, you know, somehow it's 60 years prior to the Mothman is the Van Meter visitor, but it's like, there's all these theories and it's like, it's crazy. Another thing is how different parts of the country could have different names for the same creature. Mm -hmm. We don't know. We can't look at the whole picture at once. That's the crazy thing. So just everybody sees them at different times and calls them exactly. their own thing. Yep. Or different <laughs> viewpoints through different cultures as well. You know, different cultures. Oh, and I forget who brought this up. I'm sorry. I can't, I can't credit you for this, but uh, different cultures, different times of history uh, will focus on different things different mm -hmm. aspects of the creature i feel so bad i can't credit this person the uh, sorry. <laughs> the blind the blind men and the elephant yeah totally totally yeah oh man what what you see depends or actually um one of my character one of my series is a baltimore city police detective who hunts monsters okay. um her her name is bianca jones and the first book is here there be monsters and when she is first exposed to uh, the power to the preternatural, as her mentor calls it, uses an example of a of a, a court of a coin mm. that if you hold the coin up with the head facing it, you see a circle. If you turn it on the side, you see a line. Wow! Yeah. So it all depends on how you look at things. When it comes to the preternatural, the, the mythos creatures. All most of us can see is the line, but others can see the circle. That is cool. I like that. Guys, we are getting, uh, believe it or not, we're getting close to the end. Uh, uh, push the clock back. This on, is fun. Danielle and John. <laughs> well, I mean, you're going to be making enough content in the future. It's like, it's not out of the question. My goodness. I'm excited to see like, uh, how it's all connected, but also how each author has their own voice. That'll be really cool. Um, oh, we'll save. I'm, I have a question for the, the Patreon portion. I'm going to ask you, Danielle. So, okay. But um, before we finish the episode, um, go ahead and do, do a, a one more pitch for the uh, Sistema paradoxa where you can find the books how you can get them all that good stuff if you don't mind. so all of the volumes that are currently in the can are available for pre-order online nice. um they will not release until after they've appeared in their respective boxes okay so and of course sign up for cryptic crate and you'll get first crack at them <laughs> along with other neat stuff Oh, really neat stuff. My goodness. <laughs> like I, I love, I love cryptic crate. They I've gotten so much cool stuff, but uh, John, if um, let's say people have read your book and they're like, wow, I really like the guy, the way that this guy writes. Um, how can they find other uh, books that you've written to read? Okay. Um, well, the ones that are in East Beck, they can go to the East Beck uh, webpage. Okay. Awesome. But um, generally, uh, I do have an author's page on um, on Amazon. Okay. And if you go to When the Moon Shines, John L. French, mm -hmm. and click on my name. Okay. 
Yep. Then my author's page comes up. Nice. Because of my last name, if you just search for John French, you get a lot of stuff on French on French history and okay. French literature. Yep. Or uh books en français. You know, mm-hmm. so um, you know, so and there, oh by the way, he writes a good book. He writes for Warhammer. His name is John French without the L. He's a good writer, but he's not me. Funny, funny. However, if you're at a convention and you want me to sign one of his books, I will write, this is not my book, John L. French. But you'll still step up to the plate and do it, which uh, yes, which is commendable. Um, so, yeah, we will def- I'll definitely go ahead and share that in the show notes and um, uh, that link as well. Any links that you want me to put in there, I will put that in as well. But we're going to go ahead. Uh, well, before we finish the episode, anything else that we didn't hit on that we should have? I think this has been a really good it's been fun. system paradoxa. So, um, we have both a Twitter and a Facebook page that people can follow. Uh, yes. Yep. We are accepting suggestions of what obscure cryptids people might like to see and we are also looking for quotes that we can use at the top of each title page for the books that are relevant to cryptozoology or particular cryptids and we try to match those up to the content in the book so that's awesome. quotable sources, you know, ones that we can reference that people will recognize our best. Right. Totally. totally. And oh, I, and I am, I'm on Facebook uh, under the name John French and I have an author's page under the name John L. French. Awesome. You Very can cool. find me anywhere as Danielle Ackley McPhail. <laughs> the yeah, world can I'm, only handle just one. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm going to guess that uh, you've got, you've got that one on lock. there's there's no others out there definitely but well thanks again uh to both of you uh john and danielle for coming on um they uh they have agreed for hanging out a little bit longer um to uh share some stories for the patreon bigfoot society after dark uh john's got some crazy stories also i'm gonna uh ask uh danielle about one other thing uh about things that she makes so if you want to hear about that you gotta you gotta support the bigfoot society uh patreon five dollars a month it's a good cause so uh good talking to you guys and we will uh talk to you uh next week when i interview uh sarah with the snallygaster house museum so it's it's snallygaster month uh bigfoot society thanks for coming on guys thanks for thank you for having us big thanks again to danielle and john for coming on and talking about the new book when the moon shines all about the snallygaster very cool uh you can go ahead and pick up a copy of that over on amazon the link for that will be in the show notes or you can go to Cryptid Crate and get the uh, January Cryptid Crate and you'll get a uh, really nice copy of it in there as well. So thanks again for coming on, guys. Uh, Also, uh, if you're looking for a cool... This is going to be an ad, guys. Like... uh... (laughs) 
Hey, check this out. If you like uh, cryptid-themed objects, why not get a box of them every month? Uh, you can do that with Cryptid Crate. Uh, just uh, go to the URL, bigfootsocietypodcast.com forward slash cryptid crate. Uh, if you get a subscription uh, from that URL, then it helps support the podcast. Uh, also, if you use the code Bigfoot Society, B I G F O O T S O C I E T Y, all caps, get 10% off the first month of any new subscription to the uh, Cryptid Crate. Uh, you get a lot of cool stuff in there, a new box every month, and you get everything from like some, sometimes you get a shirt, you get a DVD, you get a book, you get a sticker, you never know what you're going to get. But it's going to have an awesome uh, something to do with cryptids and cryptozoology. So go ahead, check out my uh, my buds, my pals over at uh, Cryptid Crate. It's BigfootSocietyPodcast.com forward slash Cryptid Crate. Thank the supporting members of the Bigfoot Society Patreon. Uh, we have Surfetes, uh, Josh Sewich from the Starfall Collective on Twitch. We have Greg Morrill from the Indiana Road Trio. We have Coco Van Boxtel from Strange Little Lands. Daniel Fuller with Caveman Resale on eBay. Connor Anderson. And if you're not a Patreon member and you're just a listener, thanks for taking your time out of your busy day and spending some time with us. Uh, go ahead and uh, subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. Leave a review on iTunes, uh, Stitcher, and uh, your preferred podcast platform. And... Uh, if you have any stories, you can give us an email at BigfootSociety at gmail.com. And again, check out the articles we have and more preferred book lists at BigfootSocietyPodcast.com. You can always go to Instagram at Bigfoot Society. And we have a TikTok now. It gets pretty crazy there. Bigfoot, Bigfoot.Society at Bigfoot.Society. And if you've got a story to tell and it's related to cryptozoology or the unknown, don't be afraid to send me a DM on Instagram at Bigfoot Society. I'd love to uh, share your story with the world. Let's uh, get it squatchy. <laughs> One last thing, guys. We need to talk about the new Clubhouse app. Uh, it's currently in beta. It is an audio-only platform. I am currently setting up uh, the cryptozoology community on clubhouse so if you have clubhouse look up uh my name which is public and out there jeremiah byron and um it's username at bigfoot society add me so that you can be in the clubhouse bigfoot society room that'll be happening every week at uh, wednesday night 9 30 p.m central standard time it's a great time we've got a lot of people already in there uh you're gonna get hooked so check it out the views and opinions expressed are those of the guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of Bigfoot Society. Any content provided by our guests are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone. Thank you. Next week on the Bigfoot Society podcast. The Snallygaster is the first true American cryptid, even before Bigfoot and all of that. Oh. It uh, is this dragon-like creature with bird features on the head that mm -hmm. was brought over with German immigrants.